Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. We've had we have Congressman Adam Smith on the line right now. He's been gracious enough to hold on while we get the program organized, ready to go. I want to say Happy New Year to Eric, Happy New Year to all the listeners, and well wishes, and hopefully this will be prosperous. But it only can be prosperous if you get involved in the process. So, <laughs> Congressman Adam Smith, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. And as we, before we came on the air, I mentioned that uh, I had reposted a, a pic of you, uh, John uh, Bershey, and Christina Van Middlesworth and myself at the Mar- CLMLK Opportunity Fair that we held uh, last year as part of the overall MLK celebration in Seattle at Garfield High School. And uh, I want to let you know that uh, out of that effort, 138 job offers were made to people, uh, most of them right on the spot. And uh, Hayward has really been doing an outstanding job in uh, organizing this event as well. And we seem like we have a similar interest because there seems to be a lot of employment opportunities, but we want to make sure that they're livable wages. And so we're working on that one right now. So I had told uh, your staff that I would like to have you just comment on the state of affairs in D.C. We hear something different every day, but I know that you have your own legislative agenda being the chair of the House Armed Services Committee. So if you could just share a little bit about your background with our listeners that don't know you, that would be great to start the program. Well, terrific. And I think, first of all, I think the, the local issues you just mentioned, the, the job fair and basically bringing together of employees uh, and, and people looking for work is enormously important. I know you mentioned to me off the air that there's been now state support for the Central District um, to you know further further enhance the development there. And I think job fair is just a terrific opportunity um, because there there are a lot of jobs available, but connecting the people who need the jobs to the people who are uh, who have them is not always easy and getting the right training. So I think those programs are terrific support to that, uh, the work of the AFL-CIO and, and many other things that have been involved in making that happen. As far as the national agenda is concerned, we're continuing to work to try to basically help people. Um, the concentration of wealth in our society has really reduced opportunity in a way that we need to combat, and that's education, that's job training, that's strong unions, uh, that's better health care, and then we're we're working on all those issues. We, we did have one major success last year, uh, which was in the defense bill, and that is we actually created uh, paid parental leave 12 weeks for all federal employees. And believe it or not, federal employees didn't have paid parental leave. So if you have or adopt a child now, you'll be able to take 12 weeks off pay, and we were able to get that into the defense bill. I think that's just a major legislative accomplishment. And, and for the year coming up, we're going to continue to work to, number one, strengthen our health care system. You know, the Affordable Care Act made an enormous amount of progress, and now the president, the Republicans in Congress, are trying to, to gut it and destroy it. So we need to spend it, protect it, make it better, and cover more people. Um, a lot of other issues, obviously. Um, the elections are going to be important this year. Uh, the, the more progressives we have elected, the more we can get done. So I'm going to be working on that as well. And, Congressman, uh, a lot of people, you know, you keep hearing uh, people on the other side of the aisle keep saying, well, you know, we need to be taking care of the people's business. And it's my understanding there are over 400 bills sitting at Mitch McConnell's desk that could improve the quality of life for a lot of American citizens that have not been taken up because he claims that he won't uh, push anything, move, have a vote on anything uh, unless the president will approve of it. And I understand that about 250, 275 of those bills are bipartisan. So I really think yeah. that uh, I'd like to hear the Dems talk more about what they have done and dispel this myth about uh, the people's business is not being taken care of because of 
the impeachment process. House Democrats had, I think, one of the most productive sessions of Congress in the 23 years I've been there. On every issue you can conceive of, we passed meaningful legislation. The overwhelming majority of it is not being dealt with by Mitch McConnell. He won't even bring it up. Just before the break, we passed a bill that would significantly reduce the price of prescription drugs in this country. Um, and again, the senator said they, they will not deal with it. So I think those statistics are absolutely true. And I can tell you, impeachment did not stop us from doing a single solitary thing. In the midst of impeachment, we passed the appropriations bill funding government, we passed my defense bill. Um, we also passed a very important bill uh, to help uh, farm workers who are undocumented uh, get legal status um, with bipartisan agreement. So the House has been as productive as it's ever been, and the main block to all of this legislation seems to be Mitch McConnell in the Senate. And yes, you're right. We need to make sure that people know that. Uh, Congressman, you know, a lot of people here locally are very interested just to get some feedback. Where do you see it going right now with Boeing? And, and you know, yeah. what, what's your view on that, your take? I'm, I'm really concerned. I mean, Boeing is an enormously important company. Uh, in this state, in the country for that matter, but particularly in states, that the 737 MAX plant is in my district in, in Renton, employs mm-hmm. a lot of people, um, and workers in this region are very dependent upon those jobs. There's also a fair amount of defense and aerospace work uh, that gets done that, that comes through the defense bill. Um, and, yeah, I'm worried about them getting the 737 MAX fixed. I mean, look, I mean, they, it's, it's a really troubling situation, and, and I just for the life of me, can't figure out why they haven't been able to get this fix done in the first place, why why they weren't more careful up front, um, and it needs to get done. So there's reason to be concerned about where Boeing is at on, on that specific issue. Um, the 737 employs a lot of people in this region, and we need to get it back up and being sold and, and be, be a, a safe airplane. You know, and that's why we're so glad that you're from our district and you're heading up the uh, Armed Services Committee. You know, we also, the, uh, the listenership has questions regarding the redistricting. How do you think it might impact your district? Because we still need you there. Is there anything we can do besides just making sure that we're that we're counted in the census, that we can be supportive of, of this whole new process of restructuring the district? Well, right now, you, you hit the nail on the head with the census. The number one most important thing is to make sure everyone gets counted. Um, that impacts a lot of things. It impacts representation, certainly, in terms of how many you know, representatives are where. And the, it is people of color and poor people who disproportionately don't get counted if the census doesn't do its job. And there's a very well-organized effort in the state with a lot of different groups participating to try to make sure uh, that we get an accurate census. Uh, we were successful in keeping the citizens question off of the census form, which will help, but we've got to keep pushing it to make sure everyone gets counted. So that's, that's number one. Um, and then, you know, it's a little too soon to tell on the rest of it. You know, Washington State is growing. Is it growing enough to get a new congressional district? Um, we don't know for sure at this point. Um, so we'll have to see how the demographics have come in. And then on the state legislative level, um, we need to make sure that those districts are drawn fairly so that they're, you know, so the people get the representation that they deserve. That process is going to begin in earnest um, at the end of this year. Once the census is done, get people counted, commissioners will be appointed, and I would urge people to be very organized and, and push very hard to make sure that that job is done appropriately so that people 
on that redistricting committee, do you have any names or people that you would like to see a part of that redistricting committee? Not at, at this point. I've spoken with Tina Pawlodowski, uh, state party chair, um, about it, um, and with legislative leaders, because it's the state legislature that picks. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Basically, the the Democrats in the House and the Democrats in the Senate will pick um, one representative, and the Republicans in the House and the Senate in Olympia will do that as well. Um, but I think that is crucial. Um, there have been some names floated. I don't want to throw any out there at the moment to, to make it look like I'm endorsing anyone, because I'm not. Uh, but I think there's some really quality people on the Democratic side. Um, and you need people in there. I mean, 10 years ago, you know, say what you want. Slade Gordon is really good at what he does. Um, and he was the Republican, one of the Republican redistricting commissioners 10 years ago. And he did a really good job. And I think particularly when you look at the state legislature, at the end of the day, Democrats did not have the representation they should have. Um, we, we need to make sure that the commissioners we pick are, are, are every little bit as good at that. Well, Slade Gordon has done one thing that I agree with. He's calling for Trump to be held to account. <laughs> So, exactly. yeah, I mean, that, you know, out of all the, the issues, because I can remember, like, uh, I, I helped uh, and worked with the late Dr. Arthur Allen Fletcher, who ran for lieutenant governor in Washington State in 1968. Okay. And he was endorsed wow. by Governor Evans, but he was not endorsed by Slade Gordon. So, but anyway, they had a big event in Spokane. Uh, Doc Fletcher was at Gonzaga and Slade Gordon was at Whitworth. And uh, nobody showed up at Whitworth. And he called Art Fletcher and says, could I uh, join the, your campaign effort at Gonzaga? And Dr. Fletcher said, yeah, you can introduce me. You know, that went over like a lead balloon. But, <laughs> but anyway, this is one time I appreciate and agree with uh, uh, Senator Slade Gordon. Now, uh, you know, we had talked earlier about uh, doing some things. As you know, the uh, to, uh, initiative to restore affirmative action was defeated. We're going on 21 years without affirmative action. We have five disparity studies that prove that certain people are being discriminated against. And it also allows for local government agencies to take some remedial action. And we, now we have Ward Connolly, the anti-affirmative action guy that made millions of dollars as a self-certified African-American and also as a, uh, a SBA 8A contractor that was uh, set aside for minorities. Uh, he, he got ran out of California. He now lives in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. But he and, uh, uh, I guess, Tim Eyman and John Carlson and the Chinese immigrants have challenged the governor and the legislature about taking them to court over any affirmative action policies that are implemented. And we know that we meet the court muster uh, for African descendants of the United States enslaved because our participation level is so low that we meet the court tests. So just curious to say, uh, to see uh, what can be done, and we know who's in charge of, of, of the government the, at the 1600 Pennsylvania but what can be done to ensure at the federal level that there is equal opportunity with federal dollars coming to the state of Washington? Well, I mean, two things about that. First of all, diversity is enormously important, and particularly in our society uh, where discrimination has been you know, such a huge part you know, for, for African-Americans, certainly for women. Um, you know, it's been a white male-dominated society for much of our much of our existence. But to make sure that there's equality of opportunity, you've got to reach into more diverse communities. Whether you're talking about you know giving out contracts, hiring people for jobs, whatever it is, I think it has to be part of what we do. And I, I think that the people who turn a blind eye to that and say, "Oh, we don't need that; everything's equal," are not paying attention. So, number one, I think there are things we can all do, and I do it in my office. 
uh, when we have positions open, I reach out uh, to various groups like Tabor 100, like Casa uh, Bellatina, um, El Centro de la Raza, um, you know, the, the Black Collective uh, down in Tacoma, and try to find um, diverse people who can apply for the jobs and give that opportunity. I think every employer should do that, and I think government should do that as well to make sure that we are giving everybody an equal chance. This is not about preferential treatment. This is about making sure that there is diversity in the people that we hire by making sure that people have equal access to those things. And I think that's something that we, we ought to do across the board. Um, and there are ways on the federal government because there are requirements. For instance, as you know, I did a lot of work with the State Department of Transportation because there is a federal requirement um, that a certain percentage of contracts on federal DOT projects go to um, you know, disadvantaged businesses, basically people of color, women, um, and they don't always meet those goals. We had to work very hard with the, um, the State Department of Transportation to get them to do that. So well, you know, one big thing is use the federal laws that are there and make sure that they're enforced. Well, Congressman, what we've found in the past, past since they've had put women in the equation, over 85 to 90% of the WashDOT contracts up until about a year or two ago went to four white female trucking companies. 99 of their drivers were white males. And uh, so as long as that's the case, given our 400-year history, African descendants of the United States enslaved, uh, we've seen government agencies turn the stuff over to private contractors who in turn do whatever they want to do. There's no accountability. And I'm not saying all of them, but most of them, that's been the situation. So... uh, and right now, exactly. having Barr in, in, in heading the Justice Department is not going to do us any good either. <laughs> no, on a whole series of levels. He's probably the, the most disturbing cabinet official we have right now, and that's, that's saying something. But on your point, that's actually one of the things we did um, in the Washington State Department of Transportation is, you know, once you get to the point, and certainly women have been discriminated against, but you're right, what has happened with these programs is disproportionately um, they go. They have gone to women. So we actually got a waiver so that that could no longer be counted as a factor because women were being equally uh, represented. Um, it was people of color who weren't being equally represented. We had to make sure that the one did not offset the other, that you basically had to accomplish both. Um, and we did get that waiver um, for state DOT contracts, but for many years we weren't able to. Um, and exactly what you described was what played out. Well, are you going to be at uh, Opportunity Fair for CLMLK this year on uh, January 20th, 2020 at Garfield High School? I, I believe that I am. Um, I, I confess, you know, I have not looked at my calendar out, but I, I know I'm in town, and I know that's something that's the priority. So unless something else came up that I don't know about, yes, I will be there. Okay, well, we look looking forward to seeing you. We appreciate all the work you're doing for the district. You come out to district. Your father was a worker at SeaTac. We know the whole story from humble beginnings to a stellar career in the U.S. Congress. And, uh, Hayward, do you have another comment? You know, just, uh, just in closing now, we know that it's in the, uh, in the Senate now, Mitch McConnell. Are they going to be able to ha- have any of those people come in and testify, just in your opinion? What's going to happen well, in that that's, Senate? Yeah, what we're doing right now is, you know, this is why Speaker Pelosi did not send the impeachment immediately to the Senate, as everyone expected her to. We are negotiating over what the trial is going to look like. Um, And the only leverage we have there is there are some moderate Republicans like Susan Collins and Cory Gardner um, and a few others who are reluctant. They have to vote for whatever the procedure is going to be in the Senate. 
So we're negotiating with them right now to try to get a fair procedure, trying to make sure that those witnesses come in. And, and look, this whole executive privilege thing that the president has done is, is just – he is a, abusing it because in an impeachment – this is like a criminal trial, and there are people – John Bolton. John Bolton knows why the president upheld that aid going to Ukraine. And I'm pretty sure that the reason why is because the president was trying to blackmail Ukraine and doing political investigations for him. John Bolton knows, all right? He ought to be forced to testify under oath and tell us what he knows. And this is not about privileged executive communication. This is about a crime. This is about bribery, okay? And there's no reason why he and, and a number of other White House officials, Mulvaney, Mulvaney knows exactly what was going on. And under oath, they ought to be required to answer questions as exactly why that aid was held up. Um, and if the answers are benign, well, fine. But they should not be able to dodge answering those questions. I mean, when Nixon was impeached, John Dean testified. Yes. You know, <laughs> most of the top people in the White House testified. <clears throat> so, sorry. Yeah, got, got me going there. At the end of the no, day. no, that's good. That's good. But uh, Congressman, I want you. I want you to uh, hold on for one minute. I want you to meet Shadi Moore. She's the chair of the Seattle Martin Luther King Organizing Coalition. A young lady that is with Amazon. She's our leader, and I want to make sure that you had an opportunity to see her. You'll probably see her at Garfield if you're there on the twentieth. Shadi Moore, Madam Chair, Congressman Adam Smith's on the line. I want to make sure you met him by phone. Let him know who our young leaders are. This happening in Martin Luther King Jr. County. So, Shadi Moore. Congress- Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. So, it's a pleasure talking with you. Okay. Thank you very much, Congressman. You'll see her on the 20th if you're able to make it up to Garfield for the MLK celebration. So, thank you very much for your thank time you. today. And I got to personally thank your staff for doing a yeoman's job in terms of getting you on the air today. All right. Thanks, Shadi. I appreciate the chance. That's all. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, Madam Chair Sade, how you doing? Good, you guys? Okay, Hayward and I are just doing fine. We are still kicking it around here. So uh, why don't you give us an update on how where things are going for the January 20th, 2020 Seattle MLK Coalition, Organizing Coalition event, formerly known as the Seattle Martin Luther King Holiday Celebration Committee. <laughs> yeah, so um, planning is still, I mean, underway. Um, obviously, we try not to take too much time off because there's so much to do. Um, we're coming up on our last few meetings here starting next week um, on the 7th, which will be at Langston Hughes from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Um, and then we have another one um, on the 9th um, at the very same time at the very same location. Um, just over the holiday. So it is a Tuesday and Thursday meeting this week? Yes. Next week? Okay. So... Uh, what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to uh, just organize our planning for the holidays. Uh, again, it's been very important for us to pay attention to the email requests that have been coming in, uh, just from a lot of people that are in the community asking about times, asking about um, our graphics, um, our flyers, uh, who's going to be performing, um, what does the route for the march look like? Um, who are some of our organizing members? Um, so we've been paying attention to those requests. I was actually just speaking with one of our webmasters today about some updates to our website uh, due to a lot of requests that have been coming in over the Christmas and New Year's holiday. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's where we are. Um, we're really looking forward to, again, this year's celebration. Um, again, it's 2020. Um, our vision is 2020 vision. I'm sorry, our theme is 2020 vision. Um, there's just a lot to look forward to this decade. Um, there's a lot to look forward to this year. And um, our coalition is just moving forward on trying to get um, voices heard and to see changes done in our community. Now, Shade, could you just go down the, the list of events today? And also, I'd like to, uh, if you could, uh, shout out a few of the people who are like chairs or co-chairs of various committees. And then give the website address because people can go online, get all the information, and actually sign up for committees or get information on who to contact to participate. Absolutely. So, um, again, our website is www.seattlemlkcoalition.org. Um, again, as I've always stated, our website is being updated all the time. So we ask if you don't see the information that you're looking for, you can either email us at mlkseattle@gmail.com, um, or you can continue to check back in the hopes that the information will be updated at that time. Uh, we have our opportunity fair starting early that morning on the day of uh, the event, which is the 20th. And then roughly around 930 is when our workshops kick off. And that lasts till about the start of the rally, which is at 11 a.m. Uh, we will have a few introductions happening at 1050 in the gym. And the program lasts till about 1230, in which um, we get dismissed uh, to head out to uh the front of Garfield to begin the march. Um, and this year um, we will be going to the city hall, uh, which is what I've been informed from our logistics chair, uh, KL Shannon. So um, again, there's, there's a lot uh, of partnering that we've been doing with, again, the local community, with some churches in the community, with uh, just different organizations. We've been seeing a large, um, amount of different uh, corporate organizations coming into our, our meetings and asking where they can lend a hand or where they can support. Um, I've also liked this year, we've got a lot of uh, requests coming in from um, local media agencies asking to do uh, interviews with us just to get the event publicized a lot more and to ensure that we're getting uh, more money in for our fundraising. Um, so we do appreciate that. Because um, the more money, the more we can do, not only to help put this event on every year, but we can also give back to our community. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Chardet, can, can you just name some of the people? Because I know, like, John Birchie, and just can you name some of the people who are running the programs? Like, who's running the program chair? Who's your program so chair? So, the program chair this year is uh, Bobby Alexander. Uh, so, he took over for me. I actually was doing it for a few years. So, it was nice to actually to uh, pass the torch on that, which is what. You know, it's a part of our overall uh, vision is to continue to uh, pass down and, and move forward. So he took over this year with the help of Kendra Liddell, who is also our coalition's uh, treasurer. Uh, K.L. Shannon and Bob Barnes, of course, are uh, leading up the uh, logistics piece, which is uh, the rally. Uh, I'm sorry, in the march. Um, K.L. and I will be uh, managing the stage at uh, the gym. Uh, you got uh, Mikeela Williams and, of course, uh, Eddie Wright Jr., who are supporting uh, our community event. Um, as you know, you got John Bershey, Christina Benz Middlesworth, uh, uh, and a few others that are. We'll have Alita Batista on next week. And your, volu- your volunteer chair, you got to throw her. Leanne. 
I know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Leanne, who's been on vacation, yeah, um, but has still been responding to emails. That's right. Um, <laughs> which shows that she's extremely dedicated just to the work that we're doing. Um, we got uh, Katie Harris, who is leading up the workshop. Um, we got Spencer Ewall and Abiel uh, Woldu, um, and of course Leanne as well, who are overseeing our uh, website Good. and our outreach, which has been great. We're looking forward to the updates coming from that. Um, Tana Yasu, who oversees the uh, youth event. Um, yeah, so. And then your, that. Then your oh, second. And then, of course, then you... fundraising is everybody's responsibility. Right, so, you go. <laughs> um, but Eddie has been working with, I know, the Seahawks um, and a couple other members. Red Anderson's been doing a real good yes. job. He and yes. Ed, Edwin Bailey. Yes, to make sure that, you know, we get some of those donations in. So And that secretary, um, your secretary. Oh, look, that's not that's not a committee. We but as we just, know, I just he went through. does a, a, an extensive amount of work for the coalition. So um yes, Gene Buskin takes care of all of our paperwork, our notes, um, our minutes, um, our thank yous, mm-hmm. um, our grants. We've gotten a ton of grants this year from her support as well, um, as well as Leanne's support. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the interesting thing about Jane Buskin is that uh, she represents an organization that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, belonged to, and he's one of the few black members of Fellowship of Reconciliation, mm-hmm. a yes. pacifist group. And so that's what Jane brings to the table and that connectivity by Dr. King being a member of that organization. And there were very few blacks that were members of the pa- uh, Fellowship of Reconciliation, but Dr. King was a proud member because he was all about peace and love. So we know how that goes. So- Absolutely. And I think it's also just great to have a lot of, you know, some of our uh, prehistoric or our uh, our senior leaders helping. Our prehistoric leaders. <laughs> Keeping those relationships going in the community. Oh, absolutely. No, um, we have to do that. Yeah, because, I mean, without that, we wouldn't be able to, you know, continue the partnerships with, like, the Urban League or with Principal Howard at Garfield or with Seattle Public Schools. Um, so it's just nice to see those, you know, when we send those emails, we're getting those replies like, hey, it's good to see you. We're expecting to hear from you this time of year. What do you need from us? How can we lend a hand? So that's always great. Well, next year we'll be meeting in the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development on 22nd and South Jackson. And I'm looking forward to that. And we're looking forward to you being a board member, Dr. Moore. (laughs) Well, my fingers are crossed. I'm waiting for it. Okay, we will. Representative Santos is going. She's going through stuff right now. We're getting people in. We also have reached out to uh, a couple more of your committee members like Bobby Alexander. So we want to make sure that we, it's just not a, a gray beard kind of organization. We've got to have the young folks involved to continue the legacy, as you just indicated in your last remark. So, uh, Chairwoman Shadi Moore, thank you very much. And remember, folks, next week on Tuesday and Thursday at 6.30, there are two meetings for the Seattle Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition, uh, 6.30, and I'm sure that there will be some committee meetings that will be starting sooner. So, Shadi, thank you very much. Hey, real quick, just wanted to correct myself on that. Um, next Tuesday, yes, we are having our meeting. But it's the our following next, Thursday. Double, yes, the following Tuesday and Thursday, which is the 14th and, 16th. and the 16th is when we have our double-week meeting. Okay, the, the correction, <laughs> only one meeting next week, 
uh, on Tuesday, uh, January 7th at 6.30 at Langston Hughes. Uh, then we can get the rest of the information when you get to that meeting. There will not be a meeting on the 8th, okay? So we got that clarified. And we do have uh, Abby Waldo coming on after the break. Awesome. Okay, thank, thank you very you. much, Shadi. We appreciate you. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay. Happy New Year. Happy All right. New Year. Okay, then. All right. Take a minute to say that uh, Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by Sound Transit Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle's Office of uh, Diversity and Contracting with me and Rice, Concourse and Sessions with Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group LLC with Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsett, and Stephanie Ogle does our technology. So we're going to take a break, then hear some Martin Luther King and come back with Abdel Waldo. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. Okay, hey, what happens and Eddie right back at Urban Forum Northwest on this Thursday, January 2nd. Our next guest is uh, Abiel Waldu, who is uh, the webmaster for the C.L. King County Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition. I keep putting the county in there. It's Martin Luther King Jr. County, so it could be Seattle, but most of our people who are on the committee come from outside of Seattle, but they come from Martin Luther King Jr. County. So, Abiel, why don't you give us a little bit about, about your background, sir, before we start talk, talking specifically about the MLK event. Definitely. Uh, well, born and raised in Seattle, Washington, uh, Rainier Beach. Woo-woo. Um, went to Franklin High School. Uh, after graduating there, I went on to the University of Washington. Um, graduated in uh, 2018. Um, I've been working in the community for quite some time now. Uh, well, not too long. Nothing like you or Hayward. Uh, <laughs> well, you're not that old. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> um, so... Uh, before coming out of the MLK committee, I worked with uh, King County's Office of Law Enforcement Oversight, uh, first as an intern, and now I sit on their Citizen Oversight Committee as the chair. Great. Excellent. Okay. Um, and then I started coming out to the Seattle MLK Coalition, originally helping out with uh, what you guys started in the um, career fair. Uh, after that, stepped up and started to make the website. And that's great. Now give us our folks information about the website, what's on there, and stuff like that. Yeah, so our website is SeattleMLKCoalition.org. On our website, you'll find this year's theme, which is 2020 Vision. It's whatever you think 2020 should look like, whether that's finding uh, yourself, finding safe housing for all, making sure that immigrant families are kept united, or or giving Indigenous people their rights back. if you want to search around the website, you'll see a bunch of other things like how to reach us if, you have, if you'd like to volunteer or contact. If you want to go to a certain event, we have our calendar up. If you want to be part of the main organizing coalition, our next meeting is on the 7th. And after that, uh, there are the Career and Opportunity Fair, workshop, uh, the youth event, and uh, the workshop topics. Now, when is the youth event? Give us a little background on the youth event. That's so not going to be event. on the same day, right? 
it won't be. So there will be two youth events, actually. There will be the Youth March and Rally that's held by Seattle Parks and Recreation. Uh, that will be held on Saturday. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, we'll be having uh, our event, which will be at Langston Hughes. Shout out to them for the sponsorship. Um, and w- when we'll be there, we'll be students. We'll be singing, dancing, um, explaining what MLK's uh, vision has done for them. Uh, that'll be from Sunday, 12 to 5, free food, free entertainment, free fun. <laughs> okay, and that's that's the event that uh, the Tanayasu is sharing, right? Correct. Tanayasu okay. is doing an, an amazing job with it. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, hey, would yeah, you have a comment? Yeah, well, I'd like to find out about you and what your future looks like because, you know, they're going to be doing some redistricting. I'm just going to plant the seed. You know, you would make an excellent elected official. Now, I just want to plant that seed. Something for you to think about. But what are your personal plans? Well, <laughs> right now it's making sure that this event is the best one yet. <laughs> Amen. That's just, <laughs> all right. That's um, a real good answer. Yeah. Um, make sure I, uh, I'm currently working at the ACLU doing communications. Um, right now as an assistant, so a lot of it's just throwing events, trying to put money back into the community, finding uh, spaces that are owned by people like us who look like us. Um and hopefully go back to school, potentially going to law school in the future, um, and getting the legal field and finding which area I think I can do the best work in for the community. Yeah, so I'm going to say civil rights. That's just me personally. <laughs> civil rights, Definitely. elected official, Supreme Court. Now that, for me. Yeah, well, you know, you're following the footsteps of Bobby Alexander, who was the co-chair of the uh, MLK Holiday Celebration Committee. It was called three years ago. And he was a co-chair, and he went off to Michigan State uh, University and, and got his law degree, and now he's back. So we're also going to send, send you some information, too, about the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. Yeah. It's a the, uh, legal name is the Central District Community Preservation Development Authority, legislation that uh, Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos prime sponsored to pass unanimously in the House and the Senate, and uh, it will— the building at 22nd and, and, and Jackson, where we, we'll be meeting there next year. Yeah. We'll, have a, we'll have a building. We'll have an office for MLK Organizing Coalition. They'll have act, something to do every day. And just like with the Opportunity Fair, yeah, it'll be that Opportunity Fair that one day, but we'll be able to implement programs throughout the year, including setting up the pre-apprenticeship program. And we'll give you more information on that because we definitely want to make sure that's on the uh, MLK uh, Coalition website as well. Definitely. And that's a shout-out to Sharon Tomiko for setting that up. I think it'll do uh, – having a, a dedicated event space for our work is going to be amazing, especially for the Career and Opportunity Fair. If we can get people in earlier, signing up, getting their resumes done, it'll make it a lot easier for them to get uh, hired on the spot for these jobs that we'll be having at this event. Well, Rolita was, uh, was going to be on next week, and I talked to her. She was a like Leanne. She's on vacation, but she still talked with me. And <laughs> – uh, she was indicating that uh, they're get, they getting started with pre-registration, I guess, have already gone out for the event. And then Hayward and, as does the muscle work, the organizing, and he and John Birchie and the crew set up uh, uh, the uh, Garfield High School, the area where we actually have the event. And then also uh, the Urban League has been fantastic in providing opportunities and laptops and also individuals to help with the resume building station. And I think it's important for people to know that uh, of the 50 or so, I don't know, what, what number we have last year, Hey, How many tables? Uh, 48 or, tables. 48 tables, and I don't know how many different businesses and 
organizations and unions were there. But 138 people had job offers or employment opportunities in that one day. And as you indicated earlier, it would be a lot better if we got uh, the, the pre-registration uh, event going right away. And then uh, we're prioritizing employers that are going to be hiring people right on the spot. Now, right on the spot, yep. Now, it's my understanding they have made a decision about uh, where the direction of the route is going to go. Uh, it's going to go down to City Hall. Is that my understanding? The end goal is going to be City Hall. We haven't decided yet where uh, the other stop offs will be. Okay. Um, but that'll be a question for K.O. Shannon. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I have to get K.O. and Bob on to find out. I was just trying to figure out how come we're not going to, to, to President Trump's building. <laughs> <laughs> and going to Jenny Durkin's building, I, I just no, I I'm trying to that figure that one you. out. Okay, maybe Kale can sh- share with me, but I think it's, <laughs> to ignore Donald Trump doing impeachment, I I don't know, brother. <laughs> I don't know. Either, I'll be man. at the next meeting to talk about that. <laughs> Perfect. The next meeting is, mean, is Tuesday, January seventh, at Langston Hughes, a seventeenth and Yester side. You're on the seventh Lawrence door on the seventeenth Avenue side. It starts at six thirty, and uh, Abiel, give us the website information once again. Again, it'll be SeattleMLKCoalition.org. Um, and make sure you reach out and come to the, our planning session. We need all the help we can have. We're an all-volunteer organization. Okay. Well, we certainly appreciate it, and uh, we'll get you back on here and give, if you with some updates before the event. We'll see what's happening Perfect. with you. Thank you. All right. Abiel, Bye-bye, thank guys. you very much. We appreciate it. No, Abiel Waldo, who is uh, – <clears throat> the webmaster for the CLMK Organizing Coalition. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. Next guest is uh, the esteemed founder of the Alopecia Support Group, none other than Jamie Elmore. And Jamie has some big information and some big things getting ready to happen uh, on January 11th. So, Jamie, for the people, our listeners that don't know you, give us about a two-minute background uh, bio uh, sketch for our folks. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Rye, for always having me and for your support. Um, I'm excited to be here. Uh, just want to give your listeners a little bit of background about myself. I'm a licensed hairstylist, salon owner, been in the industry for 28 years, and I got diagnosed with alopecia back in 2004 and started a support group back in 2009, and we have been running ever since. We have a global reach. Um, when I say global, I mean from Japan to the UK, Ireland, Pakistan, just literally all over the world. Mm. And our goal as a support group or an organization, a nonprofit organization, is to empower, support, and encourage individuals that's living with alopecia. And alopecia is a autoimmune disease. It's where your immune system attacks your hair follicle and causes your hair to fall out. And there are 6.8 million people in the U.S. 
147 million people worldwide living with this disease. And our organization goal is to, to be there for those individuals. Personally, I went through depression, panic attacks. Um, I went through all types of things um, with this disease. And as a hairstylist and as a, a woman, my goal is to help other people, help them to not deal with the same thing that I'm dealing with as well. And uh, we have some great things on the horizon, Mr. I. So I'll turn it back over to you. And uh, now you're going to be having a, a, you've had several events in the community, and uh, now you've got a big event coming up on January 11th. Share with our listeners what's happening on January 11th. Oh, yeah, this is huge. Um, on January 11th, we will be live streaming our first alopecia documentary titled Harmony, Alopecia Story. And what this is, this is a documentary with men, women, and children they will be telling their stories. They'll be talking about their journeys um, living with alopecia. And we're excited about it because we will have the opportunity to share it with the world. And we're going to do it live stream on Facebook, on our alopecia um, Facebook page. And this will give us an opportunity to share it with all of our supporters. We have people that have supported us financially that um, live in different countries and different states, and they were not able to be here physically at our actual premiere in September. And so on January 11th at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, Pacific Standard Time, um, excuse me, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, Pacific Standard Time, we will have our premiere on our Facebook page. So all of your listeners that are plugged into Facebook, they can chime in, they can share it on their timelines, and that will give us an opportunity to share with more people around the world. Now, Jamie, I know I shared it before. Uh, have you had an opportunity of, or somebody in, in your uh, in your group that does marketing? Because I really think it should be going to uh, Oprah and to Ellen, to the talk, to the view. Everybody needs to know about what you're doing because I think your work is absolutely fantastic. Is anything being done to really? Because I see, I visualize you on national TV, and I know I've said it before. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. You know, I would love for us to connect with all those individuals that you just mentioned. But honestly, I don't even know how. I don't even know who to contact that will help me do that. Uh, I've been doing so much groundwork. We haven't even had enough time to breathe to, um, to reach out to those individuals. So if you know how we can connect with someone that will help us reach the Oprah, reach the Tyra Bates, reach the Ellen DeGeneres show, please let me know, and I will connect with that person, and in turn, they can help us reach out to them. Eddie, I totally agree with Eddie, you. Eddie, Eddie, <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, Jamie, give us a little background about, about what we're going to be seeing on January 11th. Oh, okay, so January 11th, we have an array of stories. We have children. We have a, a mother and a daughter, a young girl. She's about three years old, her mother will be talking about their journey with alopecia. We have a couple, a husband and a wife, um, that will be talking about their journey with alopecia. We have uh, a young lady who's about 17 years old, Ashley Jazzy, the young lady that we flew in a few years ago. Her story, her and her mother, will be um, featured in the documentary. And what's so, what's so powerful about this, I just got a little emotional, is, um, I don't know if your listeners knew about this, but a couple of weeks ago on Thanksgiving, 
Jazzy's mother passed away, Ooh. and she never had the opportunity to uh, to see the documentary. And so, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be dedicating the documentary in her name. And so, this is a big deal. On January 11th, it's going to be the opportunity for Jazzy to see and hear her story, and um, just to be able to share more awareness and the power of what we do. I'm sorry about that. No, I understand. Yeah, but, you know, I'm just so happy that uh, Lewis and Faye from Ezel's Chicken, uh, you know, saw fit to uh, get them both back to you. And one thing about it, even though her mother's gone, at least her mother saw her on the path to be cured, thanks to Jamie Elmore and the Alopecia Support Group. Because I went over to, I was over at that event that you had at the Rainier Beach Community Center when you just had it packed with people, uh, getting uh, your makeup done, getting all kind of different things done to improve their quality of life. And I think on that Saturday, that young lady was in the chair. Uh, she was getting something done. I don't know if it was eyelashes or something, but I do remember seeing her. So uh, uh, we appreciate you forever for stepping up to the plate, getting that done. Like I said, her mother saw her on the path to be cured before she left this earth. So I think that's, that's a, a blessing within itself. You know, and Lewis got a picture somewhere with Oprah eating that Ezell's chicken. Yeah, Lewis got uh, pictures with everybody. Bucket of chicken in, in your documentary. To Oprah. <laughs> they go together, don't they? They definitely, they definitely do. Yeah, and we're, again, thank you so much. Um, I just want your listeners to, you know, plug in on that day, January the 11th, um, on Facebook. And if they don't know um, how to connect with the Alabama um, Support Group on Facebook, they can reach out to me personally. On Actually, they can even Google my name, Jamie Elmore. They can send me a friend request. If they send me a friend request, I will drop them in the group, and that will give them an opportunity to see the actual documentary. It's one of those um, events where you have to just be in the room. You have to be in front of the screen so you can hear and see what it's like for people that that's living with this disease. I mean, I, when people think about hair loss, they think it's just it's, it's nothing, but it affects people's um, mindset psychologically. Um, the young kids, they deal with bullying, um, depression. I mean, it affects people's marriages. It affects women, and it affected me as a woman. You know, I felt like part of my femininity had been stolen and snatched from me. So next Saturday on January 11th, we invite everyone to plug in to Facebook and to watch this documentary. We will only be showing it one time to the public because we're going to be submitting it to various um, film festivals, Mr. Ryan. So we're just excited for all the support that you have given us over the years and the platform that you have given me to share my story and to bring um, some of my support group members on your show to share their stories as well. So thank you so much for everything. Okay, Jamie. Right. We'll, uh, matter of fact, you probably need to, to have one of the workshops or a table or something at the Martin Luther King event as well. Absolutely. So, you yeah. know, we'll have, to, we'll have to talk offline about that and see about getting yeah, what your your the good work you're doing and the information uh, out to, uh, to the general public. So you're doing a good job Sounds already. Good. So thank thank, you, so thank you very much, Jamie Elmore, and uh, we'll keep up with all the good work you're doing. Thank you so much. Okay, that was Jamie Elmore, founder of the Alopecia Support Group, and is doing fantastic things. I uh, just couldn't help but notice that uh, the Seattle Medium today has a a lar large article about Larry Goss's 25 years of service. Uh, that's in the paper. And then also our frequent guest, Reverend, Reverend 
I mean, Dr. Efe Williams has her column in. She is a uh, Trace Edney Wire Service uh, columnist, and uh, she say that her her column appears in the medium before it appears in the other black papers across the country. And I had to remind her, I said, that's because Chris B. Bennett knows that you're in Martin, he's in Martin Luther King Jr. County. So uh, we're looking for some very good things to happen with uh, with the Martin Luther King event this year. And we're also looking for some constructive things to happen uh, with the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. Can't thank Representative Sharon Santos enough. Uh, So the process will be there will be a selection committee. It will be comprised of the 37th District Legislative Leaders, uh, Representative Pettigrew, uh, Senator Saldana, and uh, Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos, along with representatives from the McKinney Coalition. They will appoint, they will select an interim board and at that time, when the board is selected, the property will be turned over to the McKinney Center and the, uh, the repairs. Uh, really pleased with Governor Inslee putting $10 million in his supplemental budget to uh, upgrade the antiquated systems in that building. And hopefully uh, we will have to go back with the same posse to Olympia for this session to ensure that the rest of the funds are put in there so that the, we'll have a quality building suitable for the Urban League and other tenants. So, uh, Michelle, I'm talking to you. <laughs> we, will, we need you all in the building. We need all the services condensed. And we've been really fortunate to have the support of uh, the Washington State Labor Council uh, Chair and uh, Secretary of Treasury uh, Larry Brown and April Sims. We're going to be working with them. Uh, Lisa Marks from the Carpenters Training Program, who's also with the Opportunity Fair. Uh, Pastor Lawrence Ricky Willis. Uh, we want to see him and Guy reinstate that Guy actually reinstate that pre-apprenticeship program so we can get our people ready for livable wage jobs so they can move back to the CD. The other thing about the Community Preservation Development Authority, there is a map, and we might be able to do some housing. We have a change of administration and have somebody other than a brainless brain doctor (laughs) as Secretary of HUD, we might be able to do something there. But we're fortunate to have uh, 21 members of the Congressional Black Caucus who chair uh, major committees and subcommittees and Congressman Bobby Scott will try to get him on next week. He chairs uh, the Labor and Education Committee, and all the training dollars go through his committee. So I think we'll be able to loop something right in. Uh, some of those guys and members of the Congressional Black Caucus served with Governor Inslee when he represented uh, Central Washington and then the 1st Congressional District up north of Pramila Jayapal's the 7th District. So before we go, hey, we got any comments? Yeah, I just got a couple shout-outs. You know, everybody keep in your prayers. Uh, Congressman John Lewis, he's done so much for us. And also keep, keep in your prayers Rabbi Rothenberg and what happened to him, because I know the uh, Congressional Black Caucus came out, because we do not support any kind of violence, any kind of hate. And, and my deacon from my church, who I love to hear saying, Joe Mason. Yes, indeed. And Joe, Joe you're in our prayers. We want to see you get better, brother. And then I want to do it. Uh, I have to do a shout out to my family. My first cousin, Herman Maiden, passed away on Christmas Day. His mother and my father were brothers and sisters. And his brother was the first black uh, player with the Washington Senators baseball team in 1954, Billy Maiden. So uh, those are some folks that, uh, that we want to give a shout out to. And uh, want to wish everybody a happy, happy new year. And maybe we can hit, don't forget the Martin Luther King meeting, Tuesday the 7th, 6.30 at Langston Hughes. 